Hi, welcome to Literally, a podcast about teaching literature. I'm Margaret Monk. And I'm Paige Wallace. Today we are kind of working our way through how we would make a 9-11 lit course. So we are recording this in July with plans to upload it on September 11th, September 10th. I'm not sure exactly which day it will be. It's been almost two decades since 9-11. There's been a lot of writing about it, a lot of cultural narratives that have emerged, and you're, we're seeing more and more classes focus on it. Yeah, and so we're thinking about it not just like as a way to commemorate 9-11, um, mm-hmm. but as a way to think about uh, what the purpose of such a class would be, what it means to examine literature that responds to collective trauma. And so we want to talk about, like, holistically, so what would a class that focuses on, or maybe not focuses, but has a jump off from Mm 9-11 be like? And then also, what are some things that you might incorporate into a class that isn't as directly focused on 9-11, but still dealing with that idea of collective trauma? Yeah, so Paige has already kind of introduced this idea of thinking about what would be the general purpose or goal of a 9-11 lit course. And I think there's a number one, uh, a number of them that you can choose from. You brought up that we have a set canon of literature that's responding to a specific moment of collective trauma. Um, and I don't know, I kind of just want to hear more from you, Paige, about this, thinking about what would be the benefits of thinking about this in a literature course. Because, you know, it's kind of strange. We don't have, like, Pearl Harbor literature yeah. courses. Yeah, and so I think, though, right, we don't have Pearl Harbor uh, literature courses, but we do have literature courses that focus on collective trauma. Mm-hmm. Any sort of literature and war, and yep. those usually were focusing in on World War One or World War Two. We have literature in the Holocaust we have mm-hmm. literature in also thinking about slavery as a collective trauma or racial terror as a collective trauma. And so 9-11's interesting because whereas when we're thinking about collective traumas like war or racial terror or genocide, we tend to look at like it's not always as easy to look at one specific instance of like that trauma happening, right? It's a, it's a buildup of multiple different instances. And 9-11, I think is obviously we've talked about like buildups and the way the world was changing or it changed as a result of 9-11, but it's this moment that's sort of frozen in time that we can point to in a really deliberate way as changing the world and having this sort of long lasting trauma. And I think that something like Pearl Harbor does the same, but it's a part of mm-hmm. all these other sort of events that it's hard to say, no, Pearl Harbor was it. It's the thing that changed the world. And I don't know that we would want to, or it's the thing, it's it's yeah. the source, not change the world, but it's the source of this collective, the, collective trauma whereas 9-11 is this moment of saying that the source of collective trauma 
both on American soil, but then thinking about like the war on terrorism, mm-hmm. which is a whole another yeah. sort of set of collective traumas and terror. Well, I think something too that is interesting about what you're saying is that it's one specific moment that can ground a conversation about widespread cultural change. So thinking about what we gain from literature that responds to collective trauma, you can look at a multitude of perspectives responding to a singular moment. And that might be really useful for a variety of reasons. So that that was interesting to me to think about. We can also, I guess, in, in that regard, if we're thinking about, okay, there's one specific moment, one specific event, then we're also, this is another potential purpose or goal, is thinking through how does literature act as a historical document, as a cultural artifact. Um, so you might get into kind of literature that's written 2001, 2002, versus novels about 9-11 written in 2015, 2020, and the future and how that shows these cultural changes that we're alluding to um and and changing perspectives and yeah unfolding events happening in not real time because we know publishing and writing takes forever but (laughs) these sort of gradual changes after this sudden and then turning that also to a conversation of how particular specific political narratives help shape us and how literature can be a part of those narratives. Yeah, that political narratives take strategies from novels and literature. We have storytelling techniques and vice versa. Like the way we tell stories is altered by our politics. So yeah, these are just like a few general purposes of the class. Um, but I think it's clear that even as we're having alluding to potential concerns or issues or just like big topics that are uncomfortable controversial like this would not be an easy class the way like a class on like world war ii literature where you have that distance so it's easier to critique there's not that same immediate investment the way there is in 9-11 discourse, that it, it's still very personal. Right, absolutely, definitely very personal. And so it's sort of like where you're coming out of the gate and, and, and saying that, you know, this is a hard topic to discuss. I almost want to use this, this uh, analogy that our friend, our mutual friend, Emily Mears, gave us. that. Uh, so I'm going to use it. I don't think she'll mind. But a professor told her <laughs> once that learning is like exercise. Like, if it doesn't hurt, like, then you're not gaining anything. And so I think that, that maybe this is one of those classes where it's just like, it. the nature of it would be this sort of, imagine it as like, intense conditioning for a sport right like it's going to be uncomfortable at times and there's really no way I think to avoid that or that you would want to I think if you teach I'm pretty I'm feeling pretty okay about saying this Margaret you can let me know what you think if that if you teach 9-11 if you teach 9-11 literature and we everyone in that classroom feels comfortable from day one to the end of you know the semester then I'm not sure that you are considering these sort of 
issues, right? In terms of like mm-hmm. the the what what will come up when we teach an, an, a class on nine eleven literature, and I don't think you can do that in a way that they're not moments of being uncomfortable and questioning um, your being because a lot of these kids are born post nine eleven. Um, a lot yeah. of these students, I have to stop calling my students kids. They're not kids. They're adults. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. You but no, you're exactly right that like we're now at the point where incoming college students, the majority of them, did not live through 9-11. And I would say for a few years now, the majority of students don't remember it. Um, my sister is younger than me and she talks about that she doesn't really remember life before 9-11. Um, so thinking about, yes, you might have mature students, um, who do remember it and, and they'll bring a different perspective, but for some of these students, it's like reading literature about the JFK assassination. Yeah. But as we've been saying, there is still this deep personal investment because so much of our current narratives, current politics are based in this moment. Um, so you'll have to deal with things like confronting racism and jingoism in the classroom. And how do you handle that from the outset? Um, How do you handle that you'll be talking about intense moments of violence and death and and that the triggers that come along with that, that trauma? Um, So this would be a class where I think you would have to be really upfront with your trigger warnings because thinking about if you have vets in your class, if you have people who have, you know, dealt with, with like, similar, it feels weird to say similar cases to 9-11, but violence comes in so many different shapes and forms, racism comes in so many different shapes and forms, and it's, it's going it's gonna to be a challenge to grapple with all of the different perspectives and experiences that we have that might intersect in this moment well and I think I think you're exactly right and I think that one way to think about those trigger warnings is a just having them up front but then also Mm -hmm. having a conversation about memory that I think is tied to this um topic of 9-11 literature but like how national memory national memorialization will sometimes oversimplify right this Mm -hmm. thing that happened um because it is so traumatic but part of the job i think in a, in this kind of liter- literature class is to revisit um and get in dig into some of the nuances of those moments and and the sort of like national and global right international like memory and memorialization of this this event um yeah yeah, I want to come back to trigger warnings because I think it's worth talking about. But before that, I want to follow up with what you're saying about this overwriting because that's something we talked about this past week when we were trying to prepare for this podcast of talking about how there's a narrative now with 9-11 of almost like how Americans couldn't fathom a, a terrorist act or planes being hijacked, anything like that, which is not necessarily the case. And and I'm not speaking for all Americans, obviously. It's just sort of this narrative of how shocking and sudden this event was overwrites a lot of the events that led up to it. And so thinking about exactly that, of how do you handle 
the narrative of history and actual history when dealing with literature as a historical cultural document. Um, and yeah, so I think like this might be a class that requires the professor to do a lot more historical research before starting the course and, and balance literary theory with historical um not historical theory necessarily maybe that could be interesting mm -hmm. but you would need to really contextualize the history that surrounds this as well just so we know the difference between constructed narrative inherited narrative um all of that yeah i, I think you're exactly right um and also again because this class is steeped in sort of the politics of the time uh part of that work would be to ground them in the political landscape leading up to and after 9-11 in order to read some of those contexts and to move beyond a sort of simple um interpretation i think yeah it would be a lot of work for the professor before the class began but i think you have to for the payoff but uh to go back to um, trigger warnings. I feel like they've become such a triggering term nowadays where people have like very emotional reactions to trigger warnings, like positive or negative. Um, but when I taught at community college, I taught a lot of vets and just thinking about, yeah, sometimes we would maybe handle materials where it's triggering PTSD and like it's not limited to just vets but this sort of topic obviously has very real life stakes for people um, and so thinking about trigger warnings I think on one hand can prepare students so it doesn't catch them off guard of suddenly they're being confronted with this moment of trauma um, but also thinking about what are their limits and I think in this sort of course thinking about which days might you might expect to be harder for some, for students than other days. And maybe thinking if they're not yet totally ready to be in, in a public environment to confront those moments of trauma, maybe consider building into the course alternative assignments for like to do at home on certain days where they're still getting that workout that we talked about. Like it's not an opt out of learning, but it's learning in a safe environment for them that doesn't require them to relive or perform their trauma for their fellow students. Yeah. And you. I think that that's a, like a really, you know, at, when we first started talking about trigger warnings, I was thinking like, so what would that look like? What would a model that really worked for the student? And it wouldn't be just sort of like that tip your hat to trigger warnings, right? Which is like that statement in your syllabus, um, which is important, and but also this feels like a kind of class that would need more than just like a statement of, of about trigger warnings and would need something like concrete, like so what do we do in this situation? Um, and I think, Margaret, that that is a really solid like policy slash plan for how to deal with that. Yeah, which means that you would also have to somewhat have your lesson plans ready from the beginning of the course so students can look ahead and be like I physically cannot handle you know being present for a day where we talk about this um whatever um and just have like 
it really clearly laid out. Right. But again, I'd rather do that work up front than like force my student. I don't know. I just think about how like this can be really. We're going to be talking about like the spectacle in 9-11 literature. I don't want my students to feel that they are transformed into the 9-11 spectacle in the classroom. Yeah. For, like students to like look at and see that trauma and be like, wow, yeah, this is real. Like that's not the goal of this right, course. Right, right. Absolutely. And I don't have anything super productive to add to that. I just, I think that you're exactly right. And that also maybe then the, the thing is that this is a class. Like it seems that we've been stressing from the beginning that this is a class that would require uh, maybe a higher level of preparation um, in order to be successful. And by successful, I mean like really sort of safe and not safe in the sense Mm -hmm. of like non-challenging, but safe in the sense of we're talking about collective trauma. Let's not re-traumatize each other. Like to go back to the metaphor you brought up of working out, like you can't, you have to make sure you're taking the precautions when working out to be physically safe. Right. And same with, like, the students. You need those precautions. Um, but this is essentially, in some ways, a class on collective grief. And so how do you set it up that, yeah, you're not asking people to perform grief in the classroom or manage that and, and you know, maintain the intellectual rigor of the course right. without, you know ignoring the emotional stakes yeah yeah and 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 I think the emotional stakes are higher in a lot of ways for reasons that you've discussed you know in terms of like distance from the topic Mm -hmm. right we're not as distance from it um yeah yeah so I guess we can start to think about once you work for your syllabus to try to set this all up or as you're doing it you might want to be thinking about what your specific course objectives will be to achieve this intellectual rigor (laughs) while you're maintaining the cohesiveness of the class or the safety whatever yeah um I don't and so what do you think would be some specific course objectives for a 9-11 course some effective or productive ones I'm putting you on no I always no 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 it's totally fine (laughs) I I mean I think that Obviously, one that I brought up when we were prepping for this is is this sort of idea of patriotism and interrogating Mm -hmm. it. Uh, Because we are in this time now where certain groups are allowed to define patriotism. um, And that definition of it is somehow inherently means to not criticize the government or to not criticize politics. Um, and I think that we, that's tied, and again, this is just like my personal sort of ideas about it, but I think that, that that's tied to this moment of trauma, right? When the sort of national feelings uh, about like this attack on American soil prompted displays of patriotism that were like more pronounced than before right than prior to 9-11 and so I would be interested in looking at like that definition of what it means to be quote quote a good American a patriot um prior to 9-11 
and post 9-11 because I think we're going to see some changes in that and I might even begin with something as early as like founding fathers right what what are the democratic ideals right what does it mean to be a patriot and this notion that it means to or it's tied you know to the ability to criticize your governing bodies um and so does 9-11 impact that um that way of thinking that discourse um and so that would be one course objective like you know just this exploration of patriotism i think there's what you're saying throughout that too that idea like what is the role of critique in in literature um is really interesting and would be interesting as a course objective um i'd also be interested as a course objective in having my students think about the parameters of 9-11 canon. So like thinking about um, defining patriotism, but also defining a 9-11 text. So what makes a 9-11 novel a 9-11 novel? Is it any novel written after 9-11? Is it specifically about the fall of the Twin Towers? Can you have a 9-11 novel that just takes place in DC and it's just about the Pentagon? or so what uh, etc so and thinking about like what what constitutes this sort of text yeah and so i think we mentioned this right is it is it tied to time right like is it cemented to a particular time period what do you think i love well you you know that i love 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 don delillo <laughs> he went to my alma mater uh-huh. um <laughs> And I just keep um, encountering him in various forms. That makes it sound like I'm emailing Don DeLillo. Maybe I can put that out into the universe. But yeah, could you email him I, and after the podcast and then say, like, you have to because you, you, yeah. Um, I'm going to hope that this part's edited. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but I know I'm not the only person to say this. But thinking about Don DeLillo as a 9-11 writer whose best 9-11 texts are written before 2001, that he, he seems to anticipate it in some way. I think, I forget which novel it occurs in, but I'm pretty sure it's one of his novels that talks about, like, of course, like, you want the towers to be knocked down. You built the tallest tower in the world, and you made it twice. Um... Which obviously, thinking about like that being written before September 11th is kind of seems very, much more haunting than I think in that time. But he was really thinking about like cult mentalities, acts of terror, um, postmodern events in a way that I think would be really useful for shaping a class. Like I think you could start a 9/11 course with looking at white noise, um, and thinking about these sudden events and their lingering consequences and that uncertainty of like not knowing how to respond to to change um but we've also talked about even expanding time to think about not just like what hypothetically leads up anticipates 9-11 but what looks at the events that leads up to it too so you, you've talked about some texts that you might include that would be pre-9-11 uh, what were some of those did I what did I say uh oh 
Um, I think, like, you were talking about Persepolis. Oh, yeah, yeah, I was talking about Persepolis, and I think that, again, that might be a text to help, to go back to this, this grounding in, like, the socio-political historical moments, that 9-11, while it feels like this, I don't, I, I, I might be contradicting myself, so it is this sort of, like, moment in time that we can point to really definitively as a source of collective trauma but it's tied to sort of invisible collective traumas that we weren't as aware of because they weren't happening well it's almost like yeah yeah like that we were on this path and 9-11 is like the fork in the road where we were set off down one direction but there's like the path that leads up right and so and in that path uh we see you know, these sort of tensions in the Middle East, and, like, they did not come, like, just fall out of the sky, right? And and so, um, whereas, like, the, yes, planes, you know, hit the building, and it felt like, you know, this sort of, like, terror from the sky, but the, these, this event was also rooted to other kinds of issues, directly and indirectly and so Persepolis might be a text um, to begin with thinking about what were some of those traumas that were invisible to us um, or not as visible to us prior to 9-11. Yeah and so I guess if we're thinking about whether or not we would think about it in terms of like the parameters of time or, or space or topic some other things you could think about as a course objective would be like, what are the tropes of the 9-11 novel? Like if we're going to define it, we're also probably thinking about its elements. And just doing some like research for this, thinking about, you know, how do we depict terrorists? Like typically in a 9-11 novel, there are going to be terrorists featured. And how are they characterized? How are they shown? <laughs> are they well-rounded or flat? Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and go ahead, Margaret. Oh no, no, no! I was well, and and then it brings us to kind of talk about um, obviously, for me, popu- like popular culture, um, mm-hmm. and the depiction of like who is the villain, um, and when you're sort of just like bombarded by images one after another of people that are, you know brown and maybe right so maybe are from the middle east because a lot of times it's ambiguous in in some of the 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 films and tv shows that i'm thinking about right we have this ambiguous figure who represents um in the public eye the kind of terror associated with 9-11 and we get this you know stereotype that has manifested in society, which ties terrorism and violence um, to one group of people unfairly. Oh, you know, this is not the road you're going down, but what it makes me think of is embodiment and embodiment in 9-11 literature. Like, on one hand, we have the embodiment of physical pain, suffering, and trauma, mm-hmm. where we talk about, you know, it's, it's very macabre, like the the victims' bodies and bodies falling out of the sky right. and all of that. But we also have the embodiment of terror in these characters of like the of terrorists. Like and thinking about how do we in 
how do we take an abstract idea of terror and and political terrorists and all of that and put it into form a physical form um to, to better uh, to think that we're better understanding right to think but really yeah. just simplifying yeah and so i guess maybe that talks about like the the how a spectacle handled in a 9-11 novel or how is like the real, the idea of the real handle in the 9-11 novel, how, but even things like you were talking about imagery, sorry, now my mind is just wandering and it's like, I'm just well, going with it, but thinking about like, even the setting, like 9-11 novels, oh, we always are told about like, it was a beautiful cloudless mm-hmm. September morning where to, to like juxtapose, and yes, that's what actually happened, but it's such a trope. That it's even in the 9-11 commission report. Like, that's how it begins. Like, one beautiful Tuesday, September morning. It was, like, 75 degrees and a beautiful blue sky. Right. Um, well, and I want to go back to the spectacle, too, because um, mm-hmm. while you were talking, I think then it's also part of the spectacle, then, is how violence against certain bodies becomes this show of force, right? And retribution and how the American white man gets to be that mm-hmm. um what's the word? Like not vigilante vigilante but that sort of war- warrior to restore the balance, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that that's part of the spectacle when you think about uh, Maybe not 9-11 novels as much as, like, film and television, right? But I think there's something there that, like, and so getting at these elements to break it down helps students better understand 9-11 discourse as a political narrative, or, like, historical documents, etc. Like, everything we were talking about, the general course objectives, um, and to un simplify, recomplicate these issues. Like if these are the parts, what what do these parts signify? How do these parts come about? What are the consequences of these types? Like you could almost trace their development. Like if you wanted to pick your text that way, like which texts all kind of show the evolution of one of these elements or Oh, that's really um, interesting. Thinking, yeah, and I don't have any examples to yeah. <laughs> of, but I was even thinking, like, what you were saying with, like, the warrior, because I think there is something really interesting there that, like, post-World War II, the hero is an intellectual hero. Like, James Bond, yes, he can shoot, but it's also him outsmarting his his enemies. Right. But, but the recent James Bonds are much more physical. They're much more action heroes versus spies and I and, and you're making me wonder thinking about as like a warrior to restore the balance how much of that is tied up and um yeah. well yeah and I think that one thing to think about with 9-11 literature is that it can feel like a restrictive category but it can always be a jumping off point to talk about some of these things like so how is the image of like that superhuman hero changed, right? So even though James Bond isn't superhuman, but, right, he has these, like, abilities that are greater than the average, like, spy or whatever. 
but if we think about spectacle, what do our villains look like now? What do our heroes look like? How is this tied in some ways to a shift that might have happened as a result of 9-11? Something that's interesting, or I guess I think it would be interesting to kind of prompt students to think about something like like the Avengers, right? And how New York is this hub of, of otherworldly terror. Yeah. And I don't think that that's necessarily something that you could do a whole lot with, but it makes for an interesting sort of discussion post or classroom conversation to think about. While we're talking about something that happened in a specific set time, but the ramifications of it are, like, we can see them in little ways that aren't always immediately apparent. Yeah, exactly. Like, looking at the small to think through the large. And I, I, I just, my brain is piecing all of this together one of the things I guess I'm also thinking about in like terms of like going from the small to the large and maybe it's not that small but it's thinking about like violence and comedy um, and, and by that I mean like talk, talking about 9-11 literature with you and thinking about the pyramids of time I, I'm now thinking about what is the last time you saw a movie a, a comedy about war right like there used to be a fair bit, like even if you just think like MASH as the epitome. Um, and I wonder if thinking about like 9-11 and satire, you could maybe do something with like war and satire and 9-11 and satire. I think there are, not think, no there are satire, satiric novels about 9-11, but I can't think of any shows or movies that are satires about 9-11 and maybe there's something there with the genre of it but I think there's also something with the elements and how like what are the elements trying to achieve in terms of affecting the reader yeah. and so thinking about the sentimentality of this and like how um responding to collective trauma, how sometimes writers use that as a shortcut or hack for the effect that they want to have of, I want my reader to think about mortality. I want my reader to be sad. How do I guarantee that? Oh, this collective moment of trauma we all have. <laughs> Everyone knows how you're supposed to feel. Um, I'm looking at you extremely loud and incredibly Yeah, close. so I, yeah, that question then of, like, how should a text respond or depict a national mm -hmm. tragedy, and when is it the sort of, when is it just to elicit, like, a large, like, a, a, a mm -hmm. mitigated, like, response, you know? And so I think also there's a really good interview with Kenny Goldsmith and Stephen Colbert, where they're talking about seven American deaths. So this is like one of his uncreative writing um, forays. And it's the, it's like the broadcasting after major American tragedies um, that he's pulling from like, I think it's just radio, but I don't remember. Um, and so it's like, 
9-11, uh, I think uh, Pearl Harbor, maybe JFK, and the, is it, I think maybe Oklahoma is the bombing. Uh, but anyway, yeah, yeah, and so Stephen Colbert asked some really sort of pointed and poignant questions in that interview about what it means for a text to purposefully sort of or to kind of take the shortcut using the, these moments of collective tragedy to elicit, you know, these conversations about morality. And is there something there that, what's the word, predatory in a sense? Yeah, like exploiting tragedy for your own personal... And obviously, like, there's a difference between, like, your expression of a personal perspective or experience versus using something because you know the effect it will have on your audience or like you don't have to like do all the work to to build the foundation your work requires um i don't know it's, I think that would be really interesting to have as a conversation with your students throughout the semester of what is an effective use of tragedy and trauma and spectacle and, and maybe like thinking through how do we gauge these like very personal experiences and like the depictions of this like um, how do we evaluate that and those are big questions, and I think it would actually be really productive in general because, at least in my experience, so many of my students still expect us to tell them whether or not a novel is good, and they mean good, like morally good. Um, sometimes, sometimes they just mean aesthetically right. or whatever. And so I always see my job as like teaching my students the tools for them to critique and evaluate themselves, like works themselves. And I think 9-11, of course on 9-11 novels, would really grapple with that. Like, how do you evaluate a text with so much baggage? Right. Yeah. Uh, And it's tough, I think, because... Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just tough. Because, I, like, I yeah. like Seven American Deaths. I think it's an interesting experiment. And, yeah, it's tough. That's all I have to say. It's tough. That's what I'm going to say the rest of the podcast. Yeah. It's tough. <laughs> yeah, and just, like, I think it's clear from the outset, like, this is us grappling with this sort of material ourselves. Like, I don't think either of us feel like we have a handle on this. And I just think... It's worth, cons- like, as we said at the outset, it's been 20 years, there have been these approaches, and we need to critique the approach as well. Like, just like we're talking about critiquing the text, how do we create an effective approach to responding and assessing and examining these texts? Um, oh, I do want to reference one um, nonfiction text that might be helpful. Um, Martin Randall has a book called 9-11 in the Literature of Terror, which is explores the, some of the topics we talked about. That might be interesting and helpful to have like as a textbook. I know we don't normally think about textbooks in literature courses, but that might help scaffold the course and give the students something to hold on to and help vocalize. I think you might 
find that in this sort of class, just like we're saying like, oh, this is tough, kind of stammering at times, students are going to have a hard time articulating things. Mm-hmm. So if you can give them the toolbox to express like, oh, yes, that's exactly what I've been trying to say, or like, that's what I was feeling, that might be helpful. Um, I think you'd really have to have a lot of secondary readings in this just to help the students ground themselves. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. Um, and so, let's see. So, I guess, what do we want to touch on before we wrap up? Yeah, well, I think we don't need to deep dive into them, but just maybe quickly talk about some possible themes and focuses. We've alluded to, like, there's a lot of approaches you could take. You could use 9-11 as a jumping off point. So, maybe just spitball some, like, that sounds so gross to say spitball some 9-11 courses but you know what I mean yeah so brainstorm makes it sound better the power of language um (laughs) so I think I was thinking about the 9-11 poetry um and we have that in our notes with like several exclamation marks because we didn't really talk about it throughout this this episode but I would use our Sheeran Yan's your country is great so it's uh a very interesting experimental sort of poetry collection that uh, oh I've lost my train of thought while you try to find it I just did you ever I don't know if you learned about this that one of the things I find really interesting is that apparently after 9-11 so many just everyday Americans were writing poems and sending them to firehouses in New York that the chief firefighter firefighter oh that's all but you know what i'm talking like the head of all fire department fire chief he had fire chief thank you he had to release a public statement asking people to stop sending poetry because they were receiving so much they physically had nowhere to put it like just bags and bags of mailed poetry coming in so i do think there's something really tied with like you know, the fragmenting of a cultural narrative turning into, like, a fragmenting of language or trying to turn the abstract into something real. Um, okay, now that I have my train of thought back, yeah, I would I would use R. Shirinyan, Your Country is Great, to, in a poetry class on, on 9-11 because it also is thinking about, like, what's the local, what's the global, and... It, it uses uh, it pulls uh, descriptions found on the internet like from travel sites about uh, countries like Afghanistan and Bahrain and and so again like what are our ideas about these particular places um, and I think then that would be tied to a conversation about uh, post 9-11 who are the villains who are the heroes in our sort of like cultural psyche yeah, that would be really interesting, and I'm thinking about it from, like, a global standpoint, which is that something else you could do is, like, a 9-11 and global literature class, and look at novels written by Americans, but also Brits, French, Portuguese, Rockies, etc., like, and, and think about how does the world respond to, to this moment, and how that cultural context maybe affects those elements, affects the, and you could get kind of technical with it. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, we kind of talked, too, about, like, you could do a pre-9-11 right. class and, like, look at novels that kind of anticipate the event and how we get there. And I already talked about, like, 9-11 and satire, um, which, if you did that, you'd have to do Jess Walter's The Zero, which is my personal favorite 9-11 novel. Um, anyone who hasn't read it, if you are in any way a fan of Cash-22, you will enjoy it. Um but it is not reverent of the event at all, <laughs> um, which, you know, might be shocking at first. Yeah. And so is that something that you would prep your students with for? That's a good question. I don't know how I would prep them for that. I think um, I'd have to think about it. I definitely would tell them that it's going to be funny and dark funny. I, but I think it would also be one maybe to read towards the end of the semester. Um, once you have all the tools right. to assess, um, which that would also be something you'd have to think about with your text. Like, how are you going to organize them? Like, is it by topic, by year, um, by difficulty? Like, there'd be some scaffolding for that as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, oh, Paige, you know what? I would want you to teach and take your class on this of, like, 9-11 in the environment. You know, like I'm... Have I, I haven't even thought about that until you said it. I'm thinking, because White Noise I already referred to is like yeah. that airborne toxic event, but one of DeLillo's novels, Falling Man, this is a little bit gross, but one of the survivors, he goes to the doctor because there's all these bumps on him, and they're like, it's the biological matter from the collapse. Like, it got embedded in your skin. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I would... PBS has a really good documentary on Rachel Carson, but uh, mm. I show it sometimes, uh, parts of it, because it's pretty long, but in that documentary, they talk about, like, war as an environmental issue, and um, I think that that would make for an interesting 9-11 topic class. Yeah. I'd be interested to, that's something I think would require more brainstorming, but I think that it would be really fruitful. You could also do, like, 9-11 and marriage. I've seen like so many articles that talk about how after 9-11 because we turn inwards to reconsider the American identity and what that means it, there's also a return to domesticity right. and specifically heterosexual domesticity and so thinking about that like why are 9-11 novels so invested in romantic relationships like couplings and all of that and and I think there's maybe something you could talk with your students about like power dynamics and relationships um yeah like different dynamics I think that could be interesting too um yeah so I guess to wrap things up um we can this was Idea. I'm going to turn things <laughs> to you it's, then instead of doing our dream course Paige had an idea yeah so let's talk about like if you're going to teach this class obviously the first caveat would be that you would prepare a lot more for it mm -hmm. and not just you Margaret as in like you would prepare a lot more but we would prepare a lot <laughs> more and so what would your like what version of this class would you teach for some reason, as we were talking, I forgot that it was still going to be our dream course, and I just thought we were totally turning things to the studio audience at home and ask them what their dream 9-11 oh, course would be. Oh, well, we, 
Um, we could do that, so but I still want to hear. <laughs> I, was I still want to hear your dream nine eleven course. Um, I think my dream nine eleven course right now would be thinking through political narratives. I think I would start with looking at the nine eleven commission report and thinking about that as a literary text. Obviously, it's it's nonfiction, but it uses literary elements. And from there, go on, like, how do elements from fiction inform the way our politics speak and vice versa? Um, and look at that evolution. So, and I think that would eventually lead at some point to working with the zero because the zero is really interested in that sort of political mm-hmm. rhetoric. I think playing to maybe with like double speak. So I wouldn't necessarily use 1984, but I think I would use um, George Orwell's essay on, oh my gosh, what is it called? You know what I'm talking about. Um, Do I? Like where he's talking about like the death of the English language, like, but it's not the death. It'll hit me later. But it's where he breaks down like why the English language is in decline. Uh, and it's all about like politics the and the English language. Is that it? Yes. Mm. Yeah. That wasn't me. That was all Google. So. Yeah. <laughs> but I think like maybe starting with that in the 9-11 commission report and then going from there. I'm not sure what other texts I would include at this point. But what about you? What's yeah. Your- so, I mean, I like the idea of um, thinking about it as like from the environmental perspective, but I'm not going to just riff off of you today. Um, <laughs> I think that I would be interested in thinking about this idea of spectacle and not just the hero versus the villain like who's the villain who's the hero but also who gets to tell these stories right Mm -hmm. so thinking about someone like uh goldsmith and seven american deaths who's and and this sort of recording like national recording of like, whose stories are those? Um, who's telling them to mm-hmm. us? And then I might also look at Art Spiegelman's graphic novel. Is it a graphic novel? Am I making this up? I think it, yeah, I think it is. Yeah, no, no, it is, it is. But um, it's it's one of those weird kind of genre benders where, like, with the length of it, I don't know if it's quite a novel, but at least a novella. So I would talk about Art Spiegelman's graphic novel and then the response, The United States of Banana. I think with those to think about, like, so what is it, you know, again, like, who's telling the story? What does it mean that... We've got this one perspective and then a response to it. Um, I think that also all of those are dealing with satire um, and thinking about satire as well. So that's kind of a muddled version, but... But it's all... Basically, I think the takeaway is that there's so much you could do here, and it's not just looking at the event. I think one of the ultimate goals we've talked about today is... How do we really think about perspective when dealing with literature and narratives about 9-11? So it's not just looking at something and saying, yes, that makes me feel sad. Or, yes, that's, you know, right, a moment of American identity. But thinking about new perspectives and new way to think both about the event itself, but also the forms we use to talk mm-hmm. about it. And it's complicated and it's difficult but if you do the work, I think it would really pay off. Yeah, and Margaret, you took a class on 9-11 literature, right? 
Yes, I took one with um, Dr. Susan Farrell at College of Charleston, and we did things like we looked at the uh, 9-11 Commission report. Um, we also looked at interviews with survivors, um, and then we looked at novels. And a lot of the novels, I will say, like, we didn't think were good. Like, they were really useful to think about and, and think through and examine. But just in terms of, like, what you read for fun, mm -hmm. um, felt like they were failing on some level because they were relying on these sorts of, like, we all ha have this shared understanding of this event and how it makes us feel or or it felt like totally irrelevant to the novel um and because i'm not i'm saying kind of mean things about them i'm not going to shout any of them out specifically other than extremely loud and incredibly okay <laughs> so we know but, how you feel about that one specifically yeah. but the rest were a lot of like first-time novelists which kind of also makes me think how many young authors were using this event to both kind of work through things but also it's like their first novel I don't know I feel like maybe there's something there for like MFA programs right. to dive more into depth there but um yeah yeah I don't want to take a stand on that necessarily because I have to do more popcorn. yeah okay so I guess then that's what we can you know we can leave off here and, like, go do more prep work for a, ni a future 9-11 yeah. class. And I'd like to hear any prep work that anyone else does to share. Or if you've taught a 9-11 class in the past, please let us know yeah. how it went. Right, because we're, we're kind of, on this one, we're pretty much flying by the seat of our pants a little bit. We, neither of us have taught this version of a literature class. And so we could use some expertise yeah. so I guess all right go plan <laughs> <laughs>